what I try to instill in my staff is that we're a learning library ourselves, that we continue to learn, we continue to change, we continue to grow. In this episode of Sagebrushers, we welcome Catherine Cardwell, Interim Vice President of Student Services and Dean of University Libraries at the University of Nevada, Reno. I'm Brian Sandoval. I'm a proud graduate and president of the university, and I'm your host of Sagebrushers. Dean Catherine Cardwell joined the University Libraries in August 2021. She is the co-editor of Leading Change in Academic Libraries, a collection of change stories analyzing 20 academic libraries across the country. With previous leadership experience at several other universities, Catherine has a deep understanding of the challenges and opportunities in academic libraries and higher education. Along with her faculty and staff, she is redefining what it means to be a forward-looking research library committed to student success. Prior to joining the university, Catherine held a dual appointment as the Regional Associate Vice Chancellor of Academic Affairs and Campus Dean of the Nelson Pointer Memorial Library at the University of South Florida, St. Petersburg. Today's podcast is being recorded at the Reynolds School of Journalism on our university's campus. Dean Cardwell, welcome to Sagebrushers. I'm excited to share with our listeners some of the incredible things the libraries do for our Wolfpack family. Well, thank you, President Sandoval. I'm happy to be here. No, we're thrilled. We are absolutely <laughs> thrilled. So before we dive into the impact of the libraries, I'd like to hear a little more about your background and how it has helped to shape the new vision you have for university libraries. Well, thank you. And like you, I am a proud liberal arts graduate. I have degrees in English and French and a master's in French. And I think that what drew me to the liberal arts was just a love of learning, learning about the world, exposure. And um, I think I've stayed in higher education my whole career because I think that education opens doors to opportunities and opens doors to the world. Um, it did so for me. I had a wonderful undergraduate experience with faculty who invested a lot in me. And um, I really try to provide that experience for the students at, uh, at our institution. And at the same time, I think working in all these, in various places, I've seen that, you know, there's not one way to do things. There's not one way to be a library. There's not one way to get things accomplished. And I, I think because of that, I tend to be very um, open to change and, and willing to try new things. And um, I really try to instill that in my staff. And I would say with, with what I'm trying to do with the libraries, um, you know, we're, we're, we are an R1 institution. We are very committed to student success, which are strong um, competing interests sometimes, but we have to embrace both. And um, I, would, I would say that the libraries and what I try to instill in my staff is that we're a learning library ourselves, that we continue to learn, we continue to change, we continue to grow. Um, and that affects how we interact with students and affects how we interact with faculty conducting high-impact research. So you're, you're in your third year at the university, I guess the beginning of your, your third year. Will you talk a little bit about what attracted you to coming to the University of Nevada and what your experience has been since you got here? Well, I was really attracted to um, the university for a variety of reasons. One was its commitment to education its commitment to research. Um, and then when I came for my interview, you know, I, I grew up in Ohio, spent most of my life there, and I spent some time in Florida. But when I came on campus, I was just floored by how beautiful it was. The quad, the buildings, 
um, just the environment, the uh, natural surroundings. It was just a wonderful opportunity. And um, I interviewed here. I really um, was taken by the faculty and staff in the libraries, taken by the campus administration and your and your leadership. Also, when I talk about that I grew up in Ohio, I grew up in, a, in Youngstown, which is a particular spot. It, you know, it, it has a, a history of being very gritty and very, you know, tough. And, and I see that, that kind of like that fight in UNR that we're going to do better, we're going to grow, we're going to have an impact. Um, and I see that like we're always like fighting for better. Um, that was something that really impacted me when I decided to come here. Oh, and, th- and thank you. And I like to say we punch way above our weight. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) No, really proud of the people. And you've done incredible things. So as we know, the university is currently celebrating the sesquicentennial anniversary. The libraries have been instrumental in helping to tell the stories in our extensive history. What has that effort been like? And have there been any surprises you've come across? Well, it has been an incredible opportunity to be a part of the celebration. The library's faculty and staff have really risen to the occasion. Um, I was thinking the other day that I wanted to take a picture of all the people who worked on this, has been, have worked on the sesquicentennial, and really it would have to be everyone who works in the libraries. Everyone has touched it in some in some ways. Um, we have a standing committee made up of representatives from around the libraries. We meet every every other Friday, um, and we work on plan for the future. We figure out what displays are going up. We figure out where we're going to be putting um, decorations. We have displays that are going to be rotating. Right now we have um, several displays on the third floor, more traditional archival um, displays that um, show the building of the university, the history, the founding. Um, On the first floor we have an interactive timeline that people can use to jump around and see the timeline of the university. We also have a traditions display. Those are going to be changing um, two more times each. So people will continue to get a sense of their rich history. And um, the folks in At One have put together also, we have a large monitor, um, a reel of historical uh, movies related to the university, graduations, promotional materials. It's it's really fascinating to watch. No, and I, I love history, as you know. Yes. And there's that display right now that, you know, speaking of films, yeah. that, that there have been many films that have been produced on this campus. Can you talk a little bit about that? Um, yes, there's been a, a series of films um, that we wanted to highlight that we're actually filming in our campus. Our campus looks like um, an East Coast red brick um, university. And so a lot of the for, uh, films in the 40s um, were filled here. Um, Mr. Vel- Belvedere Goes to College is one that I can think of. And so it was a really great movie set. And um, the, the university features prominently in um, in several movies. I do believe there's going to be a movie night at some point where students can come and watch and see the historical um, movies and just get a sense of what the campus looked like at that point. Oh, Shirley Temple, yep. uh, Mickey Rooney. Yes. There's been some quite the celebrities that yes. have been on campus. And interestingly enough, like in the in the reel that um, At One put together, there are promotional videos made by people like John Davidson, um, Sammy Davis Jr., who featured who were promoting the university? So not not a movie, but um, you know p- people who were on in Reno supporting um, you know the the campus, which is also very interesting. And I have to say, Mr. Belvedere goes to college mm-hmm. is one of my personal favorites. Yeah. It's a fun movie that you can actually rent on Apple TV for like three dollars. Oh. <laughs> so if you want to see a, a great 
film about the campus way back in 1940s. Um, it, it's really wonderful. And you also asked about surprises that I've had. Um, you know, I'm not an archivist. I'm not a historian. But I think I continue to be fascinated by Hannah Clapp, who was one of the first faculty members at the university. She, uh, close to my heart, she was a librarian, but she also had a broad understanding of education and um, the importance it plays in people's lives. And in particular, I thought it was um, really interesting because I was, just the other day, I was reading um, Doton's history about the university. And he was talking a lot about the um, the beginnings of the state and how, how difficult it was to get ed- educational systems established. Because the people who came here were, were not settlers, they were miners. So you weren't really getting a large number of families coming. There weren't a lot of women weren't a lot of children, so it was a slow start to get education going. And then Hannah was a, a person who came, and she started school before coming to the university. And um, also the little-known fact that she was also a business person who bid to put the iron railing around um, a building in Carson City. And she and her partner who made the investment um, walked away with about $1,000 at the time. And people were really amazed. They couldn't believe that two women do that, did that. And so I think that spirit, that, that love of knowledge and that willingness and, and, and drive to go into new areas was something that was really prominent in her life. No, and I, she's a remarkable individual and in that she's one of those people that cannot get lost no. to history. And so I'm really grateful that yeah. uh, you focused on her. So some folks may not realize the extent of university libraries. You manage three locations and many departments within those locations. Can you help paint a picture for those who may not be aware of just how far reaching the libraries are and the various populations that are served? Right. So the university supports the entire university and its mission, which means students, faculty, staff, and the community. So we we support all of um, the, the university's mission. We have three locations, the Knowledge Center, um, the De La Mare Science and Engineering Library, and most recently, Prim Library. KC is the, our, what we would call our central library. It is one of the most um, technologically innovative libraries in the country. We have access to technology and resources that many other academic libraries, R1 libraries, dream of um, because of this, its history of, and connection to technology. The De La Mare Library, the, the Science and Engineering Library, is in the historical Mackey Building. And it feels like a historical building. It has that, that sense of history, that feeling. It's, it's really been preserved. But at the same time, it's also home to our makerspace, which has incredible equipment, incredible services that can help students learn about different pieces of technology, different pieces of equipment that um, can help them Make, make things. And we have things from sewing machines and embroidery machines to 3D printers and um, all kinds of um, uh, equipment that, that, is, um, that people can use, circuitry um, students can use to work on their class projects. Prim Library is really, um, it's up on the um, Lake Tahoe campus. It is probably, we are, we are lucky to be um, one of the only units on campus to have a physical presence there. Um, we have the, with the library. We have a collection related to fine arts, um, creative writing, and the environment. And so that's kind of the focus of that library. And we're trying to um, to build a lot of 
um, connections with people in the community in that library, so they start to see the campus as something that they are welcome on and can, can be part of. No, and yeah, with, with regard to the KC, the Knowledge Center, we have Mars. Yes. Uh, we can't not talk about Mars. <laughs> yeah. So Mars is an automated retrieval system. So, um, you know, one of the things that was a, a real trend in libraries, especially in the early 2000s, was that students wanted to come to the libraries and use the space for collaborative work, studying. And um, th with that space, we had to make a decision about what to do with the collection, the books. And so we, a lot of um, libraries are putting things in um, in retrieval systems or depositories. A lot of libraries have them off-site, but ours is actually built into the building, into the ground. Um, and so we have a lot of books that, you know, we have books on the fourth and fifth floor, but to open up spaces for other services, we have um, used that automated retrieval system. And, you know, you need a book, it's in the automated retrieval system, you request it, they, the retrieval system goes and grabs it, and it's, you know, a big robot that goes down and gets the book and, and um, brings it back. It is, um, you know, it's not, it's not in order by call number or subject. It's just in order by bins. Um, and so what the way it comes in or goes out is how it's put back in, and um, the robot can find it because of the bin number. So the robot knows the location of that bin number. It can go grab it. It's hard to describe. It's yeah. massive. I mean, it's, it's massive. 10 stories high and probably a football field wide. Yep. And you see this robot go down this, this narrow area and then shoots up and then grabs the bin and brings it back. And it's like Harry Potter. It you is. Know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's really amazing. And just really briefly, you know, the, that Prim Library is considered one of the most beautiful libraries in the United States. Yes. Yes. And it's, it was on the cover of one of our library journals when it was built. Um, and it did win a regional um, architectural award. Uh, and it's it's heated by thermal energy coming from the ground, not from um, a more traditional kind of heating system. But it is beautiful. It looks out onto the campus. Um, it's just got a really nice um, feel to it. So you mentioned earlier about open educational resources. And that project really excites me as it makes learning more accessible and affordable mm -hmm. uh, to many. Can you talk a little more about what those are and what, what, why they matter and what they mean? Well, the textbook industry has really, um, you know, the t cost of textbooks has increased so much over the course of the past 20 years. Um, in fact, cost of textbook has grown mul uh, multiple times the, the um, cost of inflation, and it's just really become a burden. And textbook publishers have found ways to, you know, keep getting students to spend money on them and to keep earning money, either whether it's through course um, uh, IDs that go into the textbooks for online access. Um, you can't give your online access code to somebody else. So the whole, the whole industry is built around profit for them. Um, we, uh, we are taking part in a movement called Open Educational Resources, where we're working to with faculty so that they can provide um, low-cost or no-cost resources to, um, to the students. Um, a lot of faculty have created OERs around the country. We have some faculty here who've used OERs. And so it, essentially, this reduces the cost of going to school for students. And, and, and the other issue I would say that is a, a big issue is that students have access to their course materials the first day of class. And, Back when I was um, a reference librarian and I worked at the reference desk, I, I can tell you that there were so many students who would try to get their textbooks through the libraries, and we just didn't have them. We didn't have the budget to do something like that. And 
And they would be on the verge of tears because they couldn't get their textbooks. So this removes that barrier for those students, and they, they, they have access to it. And um, researchers, researchers have found that students who have access to materials on the first day do much better in their courses. And so we are actually, um, we have a team in the library um, who's been working on it with, um, with the provost office and the um, Office of Digital Learning. And now with Carly Reese beginning, we are trying to start a pilot of one faculty create an online class. We're going to figure out a way to incentivize faculty to create an OER or adopt an OER to keep the cost of education lower. And then that works hand in hand with the Digital Wolfpack yes. initiative, which is for the listeners, you know, every incoming freshman and transfer student receives an Apple mm -hmm. iPad Air mm -hmm. so they can provide those OERs, the open educational resources, right onto their, their Apple iPad. Yes. So that's wonderful. So we're almost out of time. So can you share some of the exciting things that the libraries have planned in the coming year? Well, um, we've finished our own strategic plan that supports the Wolf, uh, Wolfpack Rising. And um, last year, we were uh, became a member of an organization called the Greater Western Library Alliance. And to support the university's efforts to become an AAU institution, we are positioning ourselves to become a member of the Association of Research Libraries, or an ARL library. And almost all of the AAU institutions, except for four, are ARL members. So this, um, to be a member of ARL, you have to have a certain level of resources. You have to have unique special collections. And it's not just about having those collections. Uh, it has to be, you have to show that researchers are using your special collections and you, your unique collections. And we have, you know, we have the Basque Library. Um, we have researchers who are using that um, quite a lot. And uh, for example, recently we uh, are working with two other institutions, Idaho State University and um, another institution where we are going out and uh, making visual artificial reality versions of arborglyphs or tree carvings. Um, so we are both preserving those, the arborglyphs, but also researchers are using them to conduct research on the Basque immigration to the United States. Well, thank you. And that's fascinating. And unfortunately, that is all the time we have for this episode of Sagebrushers. Thank you for joining us, Dean Cardwell. It's been a fascinating conversation. And thank you, President Sandoval. So join us next time for another episode of Sagebrushers as we continue to tell the stories that make our university special and unique. Until then, I'm University President Brian Sandoval, and go pack.